do something that's memorable. We like to involve all people and we certainly like to involve the children as well. Um, just a, a big thank you to all those who've helped us, Josh tonight and also Jordan for putting the, the film together and also for Beth for just helping us with all the props and the media team. We really do appreciate that very, very much. I just wonder before we get into the ministry how we're getting on with uh, the fasting. Just, you don't need to say anything more than just give me a wave if you're okay with it all. Is it all wonderful? Wonderful. It's great to see so many people entering into that. And may I just encourage you over this 21-day period, for those who aren't aware, we, we just had a sense in which we called the church to a 21-day uh, prayer and fast. And people are uh, processing that and have processed it uh, very intelligently, very sensibly, very maturely actually when I've been speaking to people about how they've been doing that. But let me just encourage you to keep going with it. Somebody said to me uh, that uh, they were doing so well until they came to Friday and then they was involved in a context where there was a hog roast and it all went downhill on that particular day. And I said, I understand that. And they were mature enough to handle it and they said, but we're back on. I said, that's just fantastic. There's not, not an issue at all. My challenge has been coffee and cheese. I've craved coffee and cheese. I keep seeing these, this cheese. It keeps winking at me in the fridge. Every time I open the fridge, the cheese is winking at me, and I think, no, get ye behind me, Satan. So just keep going with it, and remember, it's not a diet. It's just pressing in. It's just, you know, leaving those things behind and just taking opportunity to just pray and just press in and lean in to God. Amen. And I'm really excited by all that God is doing amongst us. It's my joy to be able to talk for a few moments around the whole issue to do with fathers. And uh, if you're a lady here tonight or a young girl, then please don't switch off. Please don't think this isn't for you. Please don't think even if you, the very word of father, you think, well, I didn't have a particularly good one and I've not had a good experience, so I'm going to switch off. Please can I encourage you not to do that tonight? Because I want to come at it very, very different to how Phil came at it this morning. And by the way, if you want to hear something of the Father heart of God towards us, and I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast from this morning. But we, we broke with tradition because very often on days like this, we'll tend to one of us will just preach in the morning, and then again in Mansfield, the same message or similar, um, but we decided to do it slightly different. So I wanted to come at it very different because I just want to almost um, just lay in something into the church. So let me get into it because I really believe, just some statements as we begin, uh, and these are statements that you would be aware of and we'd all agree with, but I just want them to soak in our heart. There, is a, there has been, since the fall of man, a battle on for relationships. That is why the enemy, Satan, hates anything to do with relationships. I'll tell you why, because God is a relational God. When he saw that Adam was alone in the garden, what did he decide to do? Create a helper. Because he says it's not good for man to be alone. What he was basically saying is, it's good for him to be in relationship with somebody else. And we see through the course of the scriptures that actually God's heart was always to create a nation, a relational family, a connecting point. His heart was always to speak. God is a relational God. He's also a communicating God. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak to you tonight. He wants to whisper encouragement into your heart tonight. The issue is, in my mind, it's gone very, very personal. Because the enemy, Satan, has gone after this relationship. And more importantly, he's gone after 
a relationship that's so important, and that is one of a father to his child. There has been erosion of manhood and, and fatherhood over many, many generations. I, I want to just take you to a conversation that I had on the back of Phil's ministry this morning. It was my joy to be able to just encourage people to just follow Jesus. And, and, and I was so thrilled because in my heart, I knew there was a man who needed to respond. It's not because I knew, I did know a little bit about this man, but I just had a sense that this man just needed to respond. And interestingly, he did respond. And he spoke to me after and he says, I didn't really want to respond in many ways because I just felt so nervous and just don't know a lot about it, But I just know what I'm seeing, I want. And I'm meeting him this week. I have no doubt in my mind there are, there are issues around his life. There, there's, just because of podcasts, there, there's issues of uh, previous addiction, addictive lifestyles. And, and God wants to do something great in this man's life. And I've no doubt there has been difficulties in family. No doubt about that. But let me take you to another conversation that I then had of a guy we've just had contact with through our big idea weekend in Ilkeston. And he was actually working with Phil and with Andy because he was barrowing. He had a beautiful white tracksuit on and he didn't want to get it dirty. So he didn't want to go in the troughs and digging and raking, but he was happy to barrow. And he told me that today. And he said on the, on the ministry, he said, it was just amazing, Christian. He said, because when I don't come to this church, I feel pretty dead inside. But when I come in this place and I leave this place, this was his words, not mine. I feel alive. I feel alive. I don't know anything about the church and you must understand my lifestyle. And again, for podcasts, you need to be careful. But let me say he had multiple children through multiple partners. And again, comes from a very, very challenging lifestyle. And he said, my family, this was his words again, were very rough. He says, the only physical contact that I had with my dad was when he used to punch me in the face. That was the physical contact. And that was on the back of the ministry because he said loving into, running into the loving arms of the father. And it was obviously on his mind. That that's the only contact that he had physically with his father was when he beat him, he punched him. You see, there is an erosion of fatherhood. You may have had a bad experience. Some of you have had a good experience and you need to rejoice in that. But there are many people in this town who frankly have had a good experience and their children are far away or doing all kinds of things. But there's also those and there's quite a proportion now and it's growing where actually there are more and more people who are having a bad experience of fatherhood. They don't know the dads. They're estranged from their family through whatever way. And it breaks the heart of God. And I believe that there is a prophetic call for a returning. These are some, there are many verses in the scriptures, but I just wanted to declare this over you and also over the town. You may say, that's a bit strange, Christian. How can you declare it over the town? The town aren't listening. There's something that happens as we speak God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It says here, do not be afraid for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. There is a prophetic call for returning of sons and daughters. I'm aware some of you are sat here and sons and daughters are not serving the living saviour. Some of you have had very, very bad experiences in terms of kids. And I want to encourage you to believe again. I want to encourage you 
to believe for God to do something amazing at this time. And over the town, we speak it in Jesus' name. We speak it over this town that there would be a returning of children. We pray that there would be a restoring of mothers and fathers in this town in Jesus' name. And stories like this man that I've just told this morning would not be told that generationally things would be broken in Jesus' name. Cycles would be broken and lives would be healed and restored. Families would be renewed and refreshed. And we ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. I say all that because there are some things that I just want to lay into us tonight. And I don't intend to be wrong along. But I wonder if you just turn with me to 1 Corinthians and chapter 4. Because I want to just speak about something that Paul says. And there, I actually could speak for quite a while around this. Because they're just wonderful verses. And in 1 Corinthians and chapter 4 and verse 14 to 17. It reads this. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Listen to the language, dear children. Even though you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I have sent to you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in the church. We hear a heart of a father speaking to a church that he classes as his children. There is the father's heart that reaches out and speaks to these children. We must understand the context of it. Phil would be able to articulate it far better than me. But the the context in which Paul is speaking was that there was, this was a wayward church. This letter was written to a wayward group of people. Yes, they'd received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but they were living in a wayward way. There was divisions, there was tensions, there there were lawsuits, there was sexual immorality. Standards and boundaries, there weren't any. They were just doing what they felt. And Paul addresses these children. This church that he had pioneered, he was now speaking to the church. He was speaking into the context of society. And if there's ever a word that needs to be spoken, it's this. Because there are many people who we could say are mentors or mates or friends, but there aren't many fathers. And I am encouraging you, each and every one of you, and please, it's not just about fathers, it's about mothers. I want to say, people need mums and dads. You may not have even been a biological, as in you've given birth, but God is raising you up to be a mum and a dad in this house. We need mums and dads. Are you hearing me today? You may say, well, I'm only 21, I'm 22, I've got all that to come. I believe, as I even look at Hannah, Hannah is a mum to some of the kids in Universal. I know that because I had a conversation with a young girl who was telling me that you were very helpful to her and she was the one who would sit in the corners, didn't want to engage with anybody and yet she was pouring out about Hannah. You become a mom, a help to this young woman. And some of you need to understand that God is raising you up at this time to be a mom and a, a dad. Are you hearing me tonight? So important for us to understand. That God is not just wanting us to sit 
on bums on seats and not do anything. There are people that are going to come in who have no understanding of what mum and dad looks like. Let me take you back to these two conversations. The reality is, these guys just need a dad. And actually, one of them is older than me. And one of them probably is about the same age as me. I wouldn't be using that language with them. But what they're needing is someone to just be with them, walk with them, encourage them. As a father would. Are you hearing me tonight? As a mum would. And God is wanting to raise you up at this particular time. So Paul is speaking to this church. And there's much we could say about that. I love what it says in the message. Let me just read this line to you. Or just a few verses. It says, I'm not writing... This all as a neighborhood scold, just to make you feel rotten. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and want you to grow well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people who can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. wrong, But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. I love those, those thoughts. And so when we look at fathers, when we look at taking responsibility, when we look at mums, there are two things that I want to say. The first thing is this, for those who are taking notes, and I'd like you to do so, because I just want to pick up that word, imitate me. Paul says, imitate me. The first thing I want to say is we must live with limits. Living with limits. Living with limits. If we want to be good mums and dads, we must live with limits. We need to show that there are limits, there are boundaries. To quote Danny Gunn, there were no boundaries of last week. There were no boundaries. Phil mentioned about it. There were no boundaries in his life. And it may be that there have been very few boundaries in your life. I want to say if you live without any boundaries, you will be no use to anybody. There has to be boundaries in our lives. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 23, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. Paul was saying that, yeah, you're free to do what you want, but not everything is good and not everything is right. There needs to be boundaries that are set. Some of you young people would uh, know this, this pop star, Robin Thicke, or Robin Thicke, as some people call him. You know, you know the guy I'm talking about? What's his most famous song? Blurred Lines. Interesting song, really. I actually do like the beat. I don't have a clue what the words are saying, but I actually do like the beat. It's really get down and, mm-mm-mm. yeah, I'll do my dad dance, shall I, Annie, and just embarrass you. Mm-mm-mm. Brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, yo, yo. A pop star singing a song about blurred lines. That's the problem. The lines are all blurred. And they will be if we won't live with limits. What am I talking about? Well, let me help you to understand. There are boundary lines. There are boundary stones, the Bible that talks about, that should not be moved. There are things that are right and wrong. Let me say, Arena Church does live with absolutes. We really do. And if we are going to be a good mom and dad, we need to be showing people, our kids, whether they're biological or whether they're Christian kids, that there are boundaries to how we live our life. And I'm not talking about getting all religious about the Bee Gees on stage. We had that this morning. We had the Bee Gees, five white suits, getting down and doing all the rest of it. That, that's, that's irrelevant. But I am talking about some things that are very, very important, like, you know, being honest, telling the truth. 
Oh, well, it's just a white lie. There are no such things as white lies. There are either truths or untruths. I know this is not fashionable kind of preaching, but that's the reality of it. There really are. And the problem is, there are lines that become blurred. And we need to live with limits. If we want to raise a generation of kids, if we want to raise a church, a church generation of kids, we need to live with limits. We need to live with boundaries. We need to live free and well. We need to live uncumbered by sin. I don't want the bondage of sin to be around me. I don't want chains to be around my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? And I'm not giving you a good beating and bashing. I'm just saying, I don't want to live like that. And God doesn't want you to live like that too. I've lived like that in my life. Where there have been things that have been in my life that God needed to deal with. And I was unwilling at that point to let these things go. But God comes lovingly. And he wants each and every one of his children to live free. One of the things I'm deeply impacted by of handling four children is actually how the children, you don't realize, although they have different temperaments and personalities, you see things in your kids now that you do. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's behavioral patterns that you see. See, there's an imitation. And we have to be very careful within the limits that we're setting. We have to live with limits. Living free of sinfulness, free from bondage, living with standards. As I close this bit up, you may say, well, that sounds pretty boring to me. No, it's liberating. No, it's liberating. To get that monkey off your back, to get that thing just you're free from. If I can just be really blunt with you, some of you just still need to keep getting free. You need to give it all to Jesus. You need to go and confess your sin. You need to just get it out there. I'm not telling to all and sundry, and everybody then shouts it all over the marketplace at Mansfield. I ain't talking like that. I'm talking about just getting free, living with limits. Because as mums and dads, I'm particularly talking to adults here, but also young people, youth leaders, live with limits. Have fun, but live with limits. Have standards. And it's liberating and it's freeing. I was so pleased by, there was about a dozen of these guys who went to Cyprus. And they took this wonderful, you may say, that sounds wonderful. They got it dead cheap. They got the flights and the accommodation because there were, there were about 12 of you, weren't they? It just looked like they had an absolute blast. Wonderful time. And yet, they didn't, as far as I'm aware, enter, in, no, enter, enter into any sinfulness. And yet the thing was just electric, because that's the feedback. See, this thing is not boredom. This thing is not restrictive. This thing is not limiting. But it's freeing. So what's the first thing? Live with limits. Nudge your person next to you and say, we need to live with limits. I'm drawing it to a close now. I've only got two points. The second point says this. You ready? Live with no limits. Live with no limits. You may say, Christian, you've just told us to live with the limits. Yeah, I have. But my second point is live with no limits. Because Paul 
exemplified a man who was living with boundaries, but yet he lived with no limits. What am I talking about? Well, it's interesting that Paul is the one, and we quote this in Christian church, 2 Corinthians, his second letter to the Corinthian church. He says, for we live by faith and not by sight. He was not going to allow restrictions to hold him back. He was not going to allow limitations to enter into his God-fueled and God-destiny. He was not going to allow the things of experience to hold him back. Anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? You see, there are many people who said it's crazy to buy a building in Mansfield. You haven't got enough money. You've only got 30 people. You know, we, you haven't got enough about you to be able to do it. But we did it anyway because we heard from God. Because we determined to not live by what we see. We've determined to live by what God says to us. I want to tell you, that's very costly for leaders to live that kind of life. That's why most people shrink back from it because they say, I don't want to live that kind of life. But as mums and dads, I'd encourage you to live with limits and also imitate living the the life with no limits. Because your kids are watching you. Your kids are wanting the life of faith. I love nothing more, just as a personal example, that when Isaac says, my dad gets dead excited or whatever thing about Mansford, I was so pleased by that because he's caught it. I am excited about Mansfield. You need to know. I talk about this place regular. I'm in it. He's got it. He's nine. And he knows that we haven't got the money. He knows that we, his dad hasn't got enough about him to do it. But there's a, there's a sense in which he's catching something of no limitations. So what God could do with kids... Some of you guys here, you're seeing a journey. It's coming out before your eyes. We're believing that you're going to go greater. You're going to go further. You're going to go higher. You're going to go deeper into the things of God than we've ever experienced before. Living, live with limits and living with no limits. We want to leave a legacy. We want to stretch into the things of God. Not allowing our past experiences or failures or mistakes to hold us back. As dads and as mums, we can think, well, my past and just what what I've done. We allow that to be a limitation upon our lives. Paul says, imitate me. Paul was there overseeing a murder of a new Christian. He could have allowed the limitations. Can you imagine the thoughts, the demons that must have been potentially in his head? He was there holding the, the cloaks of the people who stoned Stephen. But he didn't allow the past. He didn't allow his mistakes. He didn't allow his failures. He didn't allow his past sinfulness to hold him back. He was determined to press in to the things of God. He was determined to live with adventure. Oh, that wonderful word, adventure. Some of you being adventurous is is instead of going to Frankie and Benny's, you go to Nando's. You've got to get a bit more adventure than that in you. Live adventurous. Live adventurous. I'm not talking about going kayaking as Julie and Chris were going to be doing. That might not be your bag. It ain't my bag. I like sun lounges and just reading and just... But nobody can accuse me of not living with adventure in the other things because I just want to live adventurously. Paul lived with no limits. Let me tell you, if we are really going to take this nation for Jesus, it's only going to come through the brave. 
It's only going to come through the brave. It's the brave who did incredible things for God. William Booth, you heard me say this, he's preached in this place. and I once heard Phil read about, it was just some account that he had, and he'd come back after preaching, and he'd be cut, and he'd be bruised. Because we all think of the Salvation Army, it was all wonderful, and God broke out, but he was getting stoned, he was getting thumped, he was getting beaten as he was on the streets. And I once did a, a little bit of historical account on him. I can't even think. It was, it, his, his influence over a relatively short period of time was incredible. In the day when there weren't planes and there wasn't email, it was incredible. He was a brave man. He lived with limits and he lived with no limits. It will take a brave generation we're going to take this town for Jesus, it ain't going to be on our own. Do you understand my language? If we're going to make an influence for Jesus, we better start putting some weight on. We better start growing up. We better start dragging our, stop dragging our faces around when things aren't going well. We better stop being immature. And we better start getting strong and brave. Because it's the brave who will do incredible things for Jesus. You may say, oh, in the natural, I'm not very brave. I'm timid. I'm telling you, God can do great things through your life. As you allow God the access into your heart, he will fill you with confidence and with strength like you've never known before. God is wanting a generation to arise who will be a mum and dad, not a guardian, a mum and dad. Not just somebody who's like a caretaker, a policeman. A mum and dad. Into this generation. And he's calling you. And our responsibility is, we live with limits. So people can see our lives. What they say, they're doing. And they also see that we live without limits. I'm telling you, that kind of, that kind of combination is potent in the hands of the Almighty. I wonder if we'd bow our heads for a moment.